eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que Golazo. This is a very special episode as She Believes Cup kicks off on February 18th. Uh, I have the pleasure of talking to Captain of the United States women's national team, Becky Sauerbrunn. We discuss it all. She believes Cup, her career. Uh, she supports Arsenal. Uh, she discusses these last 12 months, which haven't been easy on anybody. Uh, but she discusses this and so much more, including, of course, her role as captain of the FIFA-ranked number one team in the world and the defending champ of the World Cup. And, of course, She Believes Cup. Kego Lasso with Becky Sauerbrunn begins right now. The 2021 edition of She Believes Cup starts on February 18th in Orlando, Florida, and the United States women's national team kicks off its campaign against Canada, followed by games against Brazil and Argentina. And as the World Cup champion and number one FIFA ranked team gets ready, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome the team's captain to Que Golasso, Becky Sauerbrand, the no-nonsense, blue-collar style center back from Portland Thorns, joins me today. I mean, what can we say about someone who hates the spotlight but does so much to deserve it? World Cup champion twice, Olympic gold medalist, four-time NWSL Defender of the Year, NWSL champ, and getting closer and closer to 200 appearances for the national team. It's really amazing. And I bet because she's just so modest, she just hates this intro right now. But I just learned that she's an Arsenal fan. And as my Villa face uh, Arsenal this Saturday, this might be a little bit of a rough conversation as we go along, but we'll make uh, with it. Becky, welcome to the show and CBS Sports. Thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And you're absolutely right. Hated the intro, but you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. I knew you would hate it. You are such a modest person, but you know what? You deserve it and I don't care. So you had to just live with it. Becky, first of all, um, I begin this chat the same way I've been doing with other uh, guests, players, coaches specifically. How are you doing? It's been tough. It's been a tough 12 months for everybody. Uh, obviously not just me and you, uh, but after everything, how's it been? It's been a lot, but how are you? How have you been and your family? You know, I've been pretty fortunate with my family. They've been healthy, which is really good. Um, I've got two brothers. They've got families in St. Louis. They've stayed relatively healthy. So as far as just personal impact with COVID, I feel very fortunate um, that it hasn't impacted me in such a negative way, but it's also very tough to, to feel like that when you know so many people are struggling and have lost loved ones. And so 
um, it's it's tough to keep too much of a positive perspective, just knowing that 2020 was a very tragic year and we're still going through it right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, has it been tough for a player when you do, because, you know, obviously you have to, all this traveling, especially with the national team, uh, you actually traveled yourself. You moved during it uh, to Portland from you to Royals. Was it challenging adjusting yourself to a new environment, especially in such a tough year? Well, I've been living in Portland for a few years now, so that wasn't so tough, but you're right about just traveling to and from locations for games. I have not been doing very well with the travel aspect of it, especially airports. I'm not used to being around so many people during the pandemic. So that has been really tough for me. Luckily, the teams that I've played for, once we kind of get into that, you know, quote unquote bubble, I've felt pretty safe. I mean, obviously you can't mitigate all risk, um, but they've, they've kept it as safe as possible. So that part makes me feel okay, but it's still like, it's crazy to think that we're still trying to navigate this world while a pandemic is going on. It's insane. It's, I was just thinking, I was just telling my wife today, I was just like, you know, we've been going through this now for now 12 months, basically a little bit more than that. Uh, it's kind of insane. And, and we kind of think and go, oh my God, yeah, it's crazy. And as an athlete, uh, you know, or a non-athlete, even it's been, it's been really hard. Uh, so uh, do you think uh, as 2021 here, do you feel more optimistic? How are you feeling right now? I do. I feel a little bit more optimistic new year, but then I'm also thinking about the vaccine rollout and how um, that's been going kind of slower than people projected. And then of course, are people that are going to choose not to get vaccinated, the thought of the Olympics and if that's going to happen or not. So these uncertainties surrounding that, you know, that weighs on people's minds quite a bit. So there's still, still a lot going on in 2021, but for some reason it does feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the Olympics uh, a little later, but I might as well ask you since you brought it up. Does it feel strange that there is a chance? Hopefully not, but I guess, obviously, as you mentioned, understandable if so. But if, if the Olympics doesn't happen, uh, how do you feel about it? And especially preparing for it and, you know, just looking ahead to it. And, you know, like just like last year, it was meant to happen and obviously it happened. How, how are you feeling in terms of that? Are you prepared just in case it doesn't happen again? Yeah, I know that's a real possibility. Obviously nothing certain has come out from the uh, IOC or anything like that, but I've been preparing and wanting to play in the Olympics, absolutely. If it doesn't happen and it doesn't happen for safety reasons, like that is completely understandable to me. And yeah, I'm gonna be heartbroken that I don't get to compete in another Olympic games. Um, but if it's for the best when it comes to just the human population and keeping people safe, like I understand that. Um, and also if the Olympics are not to happen, I mean, this team is going to be so prepared for whatever is going to happen and we'll just keep maintaining and maintaining if that's not waiting, is that, if that's waiting till the world cup in 23 or any of the other tournaments that we host, like we're going to be super prepared no matter what. All right. Let's talk about the national team. You, you know, Vladko Andonovsky well together as part of the FC Kansas city teams managed by him 2013 to 2017. Um, how do you like working with him again with the national setup? I, I really, really enjoy it. Um, I think something really special happened in Kansas city when I first started working with Flacco and the team that he put together and the culture and the way that we played soccer. And when Kansas city dissolved after five years, like I was really upset for all the players, but also for the fact that I wasn't going to get to work with Flacco anymore. So the fact that he's now the national team coach, um, I'm very grateful. I think he's done a great job in the first however months he's been um, in that head role. And I think he has a lot to offer this team. And I think he can take this team to new heights. 
I, I know that you've probably heard this a million times, and I'm sure that it's a generic question, and you're probably forced in many ways to just uh, give me a generic answer. But when you were officially named as captain, um, how did it feel? I know, you know, as I'm talking to you, this is the first time we're talking. So it's not like I know you from Adam, but, you know, it just feels that you are such uh, no nonsense, you know, take everything as is. But when you, you know, you get that moment to you're the captain of, of the best team in the world of one of the greatest squads ever. How, how does it feel? Well, it's really interesting because when Blacko brought me in, he he basically asked, he was like, do you want to be the captain? Because <laughs> he gave you it, the choice. Yeah. I mean, it, it carries a lot of, of weight. I mean, you have a lot of responsibility. You're right. It's you're a captain of, of one of the best teams in sports history. And so that, that carries a little bit of a burden too. And this team, as I'm sure, you know, is it's full of characters, like full of really strong, intelligent, opinionated women. And to try to gather all that energy and harness it for good um, and to make sure everyone's on the same page. Like a lot of that falls to the leadership of the team and I am now part of that. Um, and so really like my first thoughts were like, should I be the captain? Like, is this what's best for the, for the team? Are you serious? And, yeah, I am serious. You have to ask those questions. And, and sometimes being a leader and being a reluctant leader, like that's okay. Like it's okay to be a little reluctant because that means you're always gonna second guess all your decisions you're always going to be working to be a better leader. And so I knew that about myself, that I'm never going to be satisfied with how I lead or the player that I am or the person that I am. And so if Vlaco thought it was a good decision and he had gotten the input of other players and other staff members, and they felt that it was a good decision, then I was like, yeah, like I, I would love to take this on. I know it's going to be tough and there are going to be good days and bad days. Um, but I, it'd be truly an honor to be a captain of this team. And so overwhelming feeling was what an honor. Yeah. I, the, excuse me for me going, just, are you serious? It's, <laughs> it's, it's because honestly, it's so, you know, in many ways, it's a no brainer, right? If, to me and to many, just, you are such an epitome of what a professional should be. But I guess your answer after I said, are you serious? Really just, it describes that you are, uh, are so, where does this come from? Your level headedness? I mean, I, I always, uh, when I saw one interview from you, you discussed obviously about you growing up with your brothers and I feel like they gave you like such, uh, I don't know, a stoic, I guess, uh, way of thinking. Would you say that's, that that's fair? Is there anything else that comes from, what else comes from it? Because I just, you know, you're so level-headed, but at the same time, I see you on the pitch and it's like, I don't want to be, if I'm a striker, I don't want to be anywhere near you. So like, where does, the, where does all of that come from? Um, well, my brothers definitely gave me physical strength, but also they gave me a lot of like strategy and how I can get myself out of really bad situations with them. Because I mean, they were older and they definitely used me a little bit like a guinea pig when it came to pranks and stuff like that. So thinking how to like placate them or just to avoid the situation or to like really deflect and get them to pay attention to somebody else. So I think like they really gave me kind of an intelligence, like an emotional intelligence that yeah. really has helped me throughout my life when it comes to sports and even, you know, just life, just being able to read a room and read people and to get the best out of people and to know kind of where they are and what situation and how to like best work around it. So I think they, they really helped me with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sam Mewis, who's a friend of the show as well. We talked to her uh, last year. It, th this quote didn't come to me, but um, she said, um, 
sometimes I look to Becky like my moral compass, uh, like whatever she's doing, what I know is right. So I should probably do the same thing. <laughs> what, do, what do you think of that comment? I mean, I like, I love Sam. I think Sam is basically everything that a national team player should be both on and off the field. So if she said something that incredibly nice, like I'm, I'm very flattered, but I also, yeah, I go by my moral compass and I make decisions based off what's best for the team. And a lot of the time that takes me out of the spotlight and puts other people into the spotlight. And I am more than happy to do that. Um, but yeah, it's really for me just finding everyone's strengths and like promoting those and so that we're minimizing all our weaknesses. All right, let's talk about the squad for She Believes Cup, um, a tournament you're looking to defend. 17 players from the roster from the NWSL. Six of them are in Europe. Uh, you obviously have so much experience playing with uh, different types of personalities, uh, talented players, uh, rosters. How do you feel about this squad? I mean, I feel great. I think you could put any number of people on this squad and the team is still going to be great. And that's one of the advantages of being on the U.S. team is that the depth of the player pool is so much more than just 23 players. And so I don't envy Vlaco or the coaching staff their, their decisions for oh, putting it down to an Olympic roster of 18 people. Luckily, at She Believes, you're going to have a few, few more that you can you know, play around with. Um, but the team's always going to be strong, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, do it's it's amazing to me when I see. I mean, obviously, there is this uh, type of. I'm trying to think of a good word, but this it's nothing is perfect. But just the mindset from the American player and the U.S. Uh, WNT is amazing. Is it? What do you think it is? What happens in training? Is there something that happens where it, it, the sisterhood? Is it just the uh, killer competitive mentality? What is it? Do you think? What is it in the American water? As a Peruvian, as a non-American, what is it about this squad that is just so ridiculous? Honestly, we, like this current generation, inherited all of that from the generations before us. So for me, like the 1999 team, they basically started something that we are now carrying on. And that mental toughness and the competitiveness and the camaraderie, like that was started by them. And we are just like, if you want to be a member of this team, you have to live and embody all of those things that the 1999ers did. And if you don't, like, you're not going to be around very long. Is there anyone that you look up to specifically? Oh, yeah. I mean, Carla Overbeck, I think, yeah. is one also center back, also wore number four. So just to be in that same <laughs> history of number four. I mean, I remember watching her in Chicago during the World Cup in 99. And just the absolute respect that she commanded on the field from her own team, but also from opponents, like she was feared yeah. and to have that presence and that gravity, that's something that I've always tried to emulate. Yeah. Yeah. Becky, like, like I mentioned in the intro, you're what I call an unsung hero, right? Uh, no nonsense. Often do the dirty work. You steer the ship without much fuss, bells or whistles, right? But, but I feel like you like it like that, right? Is that a fair assessment? That's, that's completely fair. I'm actually quite introverted. Yeah. And so attention, being around people, like that can be a little bit of an energy suck. And so spotlights, anything like that, this interview, like <laughs> not really my cup of tea, although I'm having a great time, thanks. Um, but yeah, just me I, and you, Becky. It's just me. There's yeah. nothing else going on. Me, you, and your uh, little cat toy at the back. And that's exactly, it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. The annoying cat toy. 
so yeah, I, I am, I'm very fine doing my job and making sure that I'm getting the most out of my teammates and being a good person and helping everyone be the best versions of themselves. Like for me, that's a job well done. And I am very happy at keeping it that. Do you find it as an introvert difficult sometimes to when things are not going well in a game, perhaps even at halftime when you have to give that talk after obviously the, you know, the manager, the coach does it. Do you find yourself that you have to push your, imagine like there's another Becky saying, listen, you got to like now, you know, do you find that or is it different in, in, in a match situation? I mean, sometimes it's different in a match situation just because everything is so elevated. The adrenaline, um, right. I'm incredibly lucky that there are so many leaders on the women's national team that if a more blunt, abrasive uh, conflict type of voice needs to be heard, like it doesn't need to be my voice all the time. Like an Alex Morgan or a Megan Rapino, like those voices can take those moments. And so really like, I feel like leaders know after they've read the room, this is the moment I'm supposed to step up and say something. And so for me to try to do something that's not authentic to myself, like people are gonna see right through that and it's not gonna have the emotional gravity that it needs to have. But if you have someone like a Megan Rapino step up at halftime and say, this isn't good enough, like people are gonna be like, all right, it's not good enough. Right, right. Uh, so you're the introvert. I think I know the answer to this just because of when I was talking to Sam, but who's the extrovert in the squad? Who's the one where it's like, all right, pipe down. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, you could probably name like 80% of the team and, and they're the extrovert. <laughs> Um, I'm thinking like, of one in particular though, cause I've heard, I've heard it more than once. Who, no. I, I, I wonder oh, who if you heard, I mean, I would say like a crystal Dunn is like, yeah, that's it. Oh. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> that's the one, uh, obviously an incredible player, but also such a personality I hear. Oh, uh, such a personality. And I'm so happy that she's now playing in Portland. So I get to experience her now right. at the professional and the international level. And we've become like such great friends. And it's so funny because we're so, so different, but it just works because like she can just talk for me. And I'm like, this is great. I'm just listening. <laughs> she gets you. Yeah, she, she gets you. That's it. What do you think, uh, Becky, what, what do you think needs to be done in order to not just maintain the quality of the U.S. women's game, uh, but also elevate it? I mean, I'm thinking specifically not even just, you know, young players in the squad. I'm talking about the future. Like, you know, uh, young girls everywhere around America and the world who just look up to this squad. Uh, you know, what do you think needs to happen in the next 10, 15, 20 years in order to maintain that, that, that level of, of quality? Sure. I think a few things. I think we need to continue to beef up the NWSL. So I think um, expansion, but also getting the right owners, building up some sort of academy, kind of like what the men have on the MLS side. I think having more players given the opportunity to play overseas. I think that could only benefit the U.S. team by gaining the perspective of playing in different countries and different styles and tactics. I think that would be really beneficial. And I also think that you have to continue to have representation. And so having the national team, having the NWSL games broadcasted to a wider audience so that girls can watch and be like, oh, like this is available to me. This is a path that I can pursue. So I'm going to stay in soccer so that I can try to touch the stream. So I think those few things could really help. Yeah, that, that one point that you just said about representation. I mean, you know, uh, 
as a member of the of the Latinx community, it's always good for me when I see more Latinas like in that squad. Um, you know, I was thinking specifically about Katarina Macario. What do you think of her? Uh, oh, what, she's ridiculous, huh? Yeah, she's got some great feet. And I, I watched her when she was playing at Stanford and she was playing more of like an attacking midfielder. But yeah. with the national team, she's been playing kind of a post up nine. Right. And it's been really great to see her back to goal. And just, I uh, had to defend against her a bunch these last few camps and the things that she can do, the pressure that she can get herself out of. She's got a great strike. Like she's, she's a special player. Yeah. So it's, you get no better test as a center back when you have to face up somebody like Katarina, right? Yeah, it, it only only benefits me in the group that I we add these kind of special players with special abilities into into the mix. I mean, she's young, but what, what, what's she been like? Uh, you know, I know obviously I don't know how well you know her, but what's she been like personality wise? She's been really great. I think for a lot of young players going into this environment, the national team environment, it can be very intimidating especially if you're kind of on your own, like you don't really have anyone else in your age group. Luckily we have younger players that she's kind of, you know, been very accepted with and she's, she's done well. I, I would say like some people go into the environment and they're just completely unfazed and they're just like stoic and they don't really have the emotional highs and lows. But I think in, in national team camp, you need to have those highs and lows. You need to ride them and learn how to ride them. Cause when you get into like a world cup or an Olympics, like, you can't stay stoic. Like things are going to happen and you're going to have to learn how to deal with it. So I think she was not unfazed, but not too phased where she was just like, I can't play. Like I have too much of a burden on my shoulders. This is all so new. So I think she handled it very well. So uh, we're going to let you go very soon, but I'm very uh, intrigued and, and a few, two more questions. I wanted to know, uh, Becky, because I know that you're an avid reader, right? You love to read. Um, what, what book are you reading right now or on what genre are you into? I was actually just gifted the captain's class by okay. Sam Walker and, and Flacco actually gave it to me. And so I've been, I've been reading through that. And so that's been, that's been really cool. Oh, that's good. So like a learning process for you, just so Vladko's hinting at stuff, I think with that book. Yeah. It's, it's good to know the places that I need to, to grow as a leader. Um, and the things that I'm doing right now, the behaviors that I, that I have that are, are good and I need to continue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, finally, Arsenal, why are you an Arsenal fan, Becky Sauerbrand? So when we really started to get to watch soccer, like Premier League soccer in the States, it was during the Invincible season. And so it was hard not to be an Arsenal fan. <laughs> like the Vieira, Bergkamp, Henri, like all these amazing players and the way that they played. Um, and so that started it. And then, you know, there's been some really rocky years <laughs> since then. There has, there has, including this one at the beginning. How are you feeling about this squad under uh, Mikel Arteta? How do you see it? Uh, it's funny because uh, with Arteta, when he played, I was always like, oh no, he's in, like, this isn't good. Um, and so I'm, <laughs> hoping, I'm hoping as a coach, he's gonna help. Um, and it's, it's tough because it's like the inconsist inconsistency of the group is what bothers me the most. Like if they put their head down, they worked hard every single day that looked like there were real tactics, but they just weren't getting the, the results. Like that'd be one thing, but it just seems so up and down as far as like all of the non-negotiables. So that's really tough to watch sometimes. So what's going to happen on Saturday when your Arsenal play my Villa? 
oh, we're going to win. Like, I feel like we're, we're going to turn it around. Like as any true Arsenal fan will say, like there is some optimism with all just the darkness. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, with any Arsenal fan, there's also some blind optimism always. So. <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. Well, Becky Sauerbrunn, uh, it's an absolute pleasure. She believes Cup kicks off on February 18th as a U.S. women's national team face Canada first. That's on 2DN and FS1 and the NWSL's Challenge Cup set to begin April 9th. And you can watch that on CBS All Access. Becky, it's an absolute pleasure. Good luck in the tournament. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Becky Sauerbrunn for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Kegolasso Pod on Twitter. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We're also on YouTube. We have our own YouTube channel. Please subscribe, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. Have a great, great beginning to your week. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.